Nishma Sibah Wa 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program.
Step on it. 
שבר ועוד שבר על הלב שעוד זוכר רוצה את התמימות. הבדידות שעוד נצרבת ודמותך ששוב נשארת יש לה משמעות. סולם אחד ומלאכים שמבקשים ענת אסתר פנים לאוהבים. כל הדמעות שבעולם הכל תם נשלם ונעלם. אני נושם מעט הנה השבת, אלוקיי, כמה טוב, הנה הגיעה השבת שלי לעשות לי טוב, בחיי בכיתי די, כל דודי נזה בא לשמור אותי, להגן עליי ועל אוהביי, ומסביבי חומות ומגדלים שנשברים מתוך שיריי. חומות ומגדלים שנשברים מתוך שיריי. השמחה אותי עופפת, כל כולי שבת עוטפת והלב נזכר. לקפץ במזמורים והשירים עולים עולים ונסתר פנים ולכד אדון על כל המעשים, חסד ורחמים ואור חיים. כל הדמעות שבעולם, הכל תם נשלם ונעלם. אני נושם מעט מנעט השבת. אלוקיי, כמה טוב, הנה הגיעה השבת שלי לעשות לי בחיי בכיתי די, כל דודי נזה בא לשמור אותי, להגן עליי ועל אוהביי, ומסביבי חומות ומגדלים שנשברים מתוך שיריי. שבת שלי לעשות לי טוב, בחיי בכיתי די. כל דודי נזה בא לשמור אותי, להגן עליי ועל אוהביי. ומסביבי חומות ומגדלים שנשברים מתוך שיריי.
העולם כבר מוכן, זה לא סתם שכולם מנסים את הרעב להשכיח. לא רעב של הגוף, רק לראות את פניו, את אור של מלך המשיח. מה צריך עוד פוש קטן להוקם? אז נקרא בקור גדול לב אחד, מלוכד פה לעד, מלאך עליון, מלאכי השלום, אנא הרו בתפילה, אמרו לפניו ישראל עמך, כולם מבקשים גאולה, מלאך עליון, מלאכי השלום, קירבו נעל רגלי השכינה, השמיעו תפילה שנים מחכים, מצפים, שואלים, מתי כבר פדותנו תצמיח? מאמינים, ממתינים, לא נופלים, מתרגשים, מריחים כבר את ימות המשיח. וצריך עוד פוש קטן והוקם. אז תקרא בקול גדול לב אחד, מלוכד פה לעד, מלאכי עליון. Oh, oh, oh. 
Ending or that was the ending. Jam the AM on a Friday morning air of Shabbos. Yeah, usually it's uh, usually that selection ends in a much much uh, better fashion. Um, that's usually what happens. Anyway, uh, Jam and the AM on a Friday morning broadcast. Why did we do uh, Tzadik and Hu Yiftach and? Uh, Pitchuli back to back to back in the first portion of our Jam Nam broadcast this morning. I got a really beautiful note from Avram Rosenblum, the legendary lead singer, founder of the Diaspora Yeshiva Band. And he wrote to me that his brother-in-law and former songwriting partner, Yussel Rosenzweig, passed away. And he would appreciate it if we made mention of a few of his diaspora songs and collaborations. And he wrote that some of those included Sadiq and Pitchuli and Hu Yiftach, so we remember Yussel Rosenzweig and uh, certainly our condolences to the Rosenzweig and Rosenblum families from all of us here at JM and the AM. And when we can remember somebody who had such an important contribution to the world of Jewish music, boy, if you're known as somebody who collaborated on Diaspora's material, then you made quite a contribution to the world of Jewish music. So again, our condolences and what a beautiful way to remember him with that music here on a Friday at JM and the AM. Before that, Ellie Marcus had Malachi Elyon. You heard Kilo Yutos, brand new from Luzi Klatsko. Chaim Yisrael with Hachabat Shali. Aneni, brand new from Shlomo Littman. Noam Kornwasser with Vuhurachum, and of course, which we debuted yesterday. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning and welcome to a Friday, everybody. It's JM and the AM for a Friday morning, June the 23rd, day number four. In the month of Tammuz, the year is 5783, Tavshin Pei Gimel. Today is the 25th yard site of Pinchas Ben Shmuel. That is the dear, dear father of our dear friend and chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum. So to Ralph and B and the entire family, our condolences, or I should say uh, we are here this morning to commemorate the, um, the neshama of uh, Pinchas Ben Shmuel. Obviously, we are dedicating this morning's program on his yard site to his memory, and in addition, of course, uh, when uh, Harry 
Rothenberg and Rabbi Yudin address us regarding the Parsha this week. Uh, this morning, we will make sure uh, to um, uh, to mention that it is in uh, honored memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel as well. JM and the AM, good morning. Lots of news from Israel. We'll do our weekly update coming up at about 7.40 a.m. Eastern time right here at JM and the AM. So make sure to be tuned in for that. That means that Malcolm Honline will be on the other end of my questions and comments. So again, we'll have that for you coming up at uh, 7.40 a.m. Eastern time here at JM and the AM. Oh, oh we lost our... Uh, Sometimes we lose our Bluetooth connection to our music, and boy, is that frustrating. Uh, it doesn't happen often, but uh, when it does, our chief engineer, ZK, knows that I am very frustrated by it. <laughs> that, that he knows. See if we can get it to work in the next couple of seconds or not. Anyway, so, um, um, so that's the story. So big Friday schedule as we... Uh, as we um, get set to wrap up the week here at JM and the AM. And, of course, after JM and the AM at 10 o'clock this morning, Eastern Time, it's our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, which is an amazing show. Final hour late tonight, uh, an hour before candlelighting time. And um, full schedule, re- really no reason to, to touch that dial between now and candlelighting. That's the reality. Hey, what can I tell you? That's the reality. Anyway, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Korach outside of Israel. That's right. Next week, we'll catch up. Next week, we'll catch up on the Parshios, and hopefully, Nahum Siegel will be less animated on this topic. Hopefully. I'm not sure, frankly. <laughs> but it's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Korach in the diaspora with candlelighting time in New York, 810. Make sure you know when things start where you are again in New York, candlelighting 810 on this era of Shabbos. Plenty more coming up. Thanks for tuning in to the Nahum Siegel Network and JM and the AM for a Friday morning. Again, this morning's program is dedicated to the memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel. Again, that is Pinchas Ben Shmuel. Here's the Stamen family next at JM and the AM. Oh, 
Teres Bala Gamberina Uvitala Tochemune Amsegula Bawikala Bawikala Tawidishalom Ateres Bala Gamberina Uvitala Tochemune I'm Sigula, Boikala, Boikala. יד מונפת לשלום, אמא עצובה פתאום, נראה כאילו היא שומרת סוד. ושם בשער המנזר, בתוך עולם שונה וזר, אולי עכשיו יצליח בנה לשרוד. בין הצללים נפרסו זרועות, 
J.M. and the A.M. Yaakov Shweki and Shema Yisrael. Lachadodid from our friends at TABC. Before that, Yosef Yaakov with Pia Pascha. Lo Sevoshi done by Eitan Katz. Yaakov Young with Vichinantam. And the Stamen family had Kel Adon. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world of web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. 40 minutes away from our weekly update, Malcolm Homeline is going to join us. Candlelighting at 810 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. In the diaspora, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Korach. Next week, we actually catch up, believe it or not, to our brothers and sisters in Israel. Today's show dedicated to the memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel, the dear father of our dear chairman, Mr. Ralph Rosenbaum. Pinchas Ben Shmuel, 25th Yard Site. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from Jam in the AM. Galitzal, תושב בית שמש בשנות ה-20 לחייו נעצר בחשד שיהם לפגוע בראש הממשלה כשכתב בקבוצת וואטסאפ בה מאות חברים אז יהיה נשק לכולם הזדמנות לדפוק לביבי כדור בראש כתבתנו בבירנו הברנס מוסיפה כי הדברים נאמרו על רקע שיחה שהתפתחה בעניין חלוקת כלי נשק לאזרחים לאחר הפיגוע בעלי החשוד שוחרר לביתו בתנאים מקבילים השר לביטחון לאומי תמר בן גביר מגבה את הקמתם של המאחזים ביהודה ושומרון השבוע בתגובה לפיגוע הנורא בעלי. בביקורו במאחז אביתר אמר השר בן גביר רוצו אל הגבעות התיישבו אני נותן לכם גיבוי מלא ומוחלט. כתב התחום הפוליטי שחר גליק מוסר כי ביממה האחרונה ביקשו במערכת הביטחון אישור לפנות חלק מנקודות ההתיישבות החדשות. 
אך הדרג המדיני מסרב לאפשר את הריסתן. מוקדם יותר היום דיווח כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש כי מאז הפיגוע הרצחני בעלי הוקמו שבעה מאחזים חדשים בשטחי יהודה ושומרון, אך צה"ל לא פינה אותם. ממערכת הביטחון נמסר בתגובה, האכיפה כלפי נקודות ההתיישבות הבלתי חוקיות שהוקמו ביממה האחרונה תעשה לפי סדר העדיפויות כמקובל. שירותי הביטחון הפדרליים של רוסיה הודיעו היום כי יצרו חמישה אנשים שתכננו לרכוש חומרים רדיואקטיביים עבור תושב אוקראינה בחשד שהחומרים יועברו לטובת שימוש נגד צבא רוסיה. כתב חדשות החוץ ברק בטש מוסיף כי באוקראינה עדיין לא הגיבו למעצר. משחקי העולם של הספיישל אולימפיקס בברלין, הספורטאי רון בק שנמצא על הספקטרום האוטיסטי בתפקוד גבוה, זכה במדליית הזהב בריצת שלושת אלפים מטרים לאחר שנפסל רץ מבחריין. בק שזכה מוקדם יותר השבוע במדליית הכסף בריצת חמשת אלפים מטר, רצה את קו הסיום שני לאחר שעקף לפני קו הסיום רץ מפקיסטן ובעקבות הפסילה סיים במקום הראשון. בג'ודו מגרנד סלם מונגוליה גפן פרימוז זכתה במדליית זהב עד 52 קילוגרם, לאחר שגברה בגמר על יריבה מצרפת. תמר מלכה זכתה במדליית ארד במשקל עד 48 קילוגרם, לאחר שניצחה את חברתה לנבחרת שיר הראשוני. בנבחרת ישראל בשחייה אומנותית זכתה במדליית זהב במשחקי אירופה בפולין בתרגיל המשולב. יעל ארד, יושבת ראש הוועד האולימפי ברכה, אין יותר סמלי מלעמוד בראש מורם ולשיר את התקווה במרחק עשר דקות ממחנה ההשמדה אושוויץ. ידיעה שריכזו כתבי הספורט יהונתן גריל ויוסי ריס. מזג האוויר, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות והן רגילות לעונה. אלה החדשות.
open up these chains, open up my heart, let me in again. Open up these doors, open up these gates, open up this heart, let me in again. Open up these hands, open up my eyes, let me step inside.
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Mendy Warch. Selection entitled Good Shabbos. Akola Tova from Yoni Z. R.A. Kunstler opened up the set with Pishuli here. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at J.M. Welcome to a Friday on this 23rd of June, day four in the month of Tammuz. Today's show dedicated to the memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel, the father of um, our dear friend and chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, whose 25th yard site is today. Um, weekly update coming up about 7.40 a.m. Eastern time right here at J.M. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Um, let's see, anybody with some noteworthy app comments this morning? I thank everybody who's written in, but not everything gets read on the air. Um, <laughs> listener Donnie, thank you for your insight on the diaspora track. <laughs> That's great. He says that on the album... <laughs> He says on the album, the, the song goes directly into the Marvin Feingold selection. So if you don't play that, it is uh, going to be a very abrupt stop. It goes to the land of our fathers, not Marvin Feingold. The land of our fathers, he corrected himself on the app. All right, that's cool. Thank you. I'm telling you, this app, you never know what you're going to learn from the uh, communication that takes place on this app on a regular basis. So thanks to those who, uh, who tune in and those thanks to those who comment. It's much appreciated. Uh, Harry Rothenberg's words about Parshas Korach um, are uh, said in the Schosavar Rafur Shlema for Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava, Ruchama Chana Etol Baschava, and I thank everybody who uh, Q 
keeps her in mind every single day, and certainly over Shabbos. Shabbos Himi Lizog. Please remember Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Today, of course, uh, Harry Rothenberg's uh, Devar Torah is also dedicated to the memory Le'ilu Nishmas Pinchas Ben Shmuel. Again, that's Pinchas Ben Shmuel, the father of Ralph Rosenbaum, whose father, uh, whose yard side rather is being observed. His twenty-fifth yard side is being observed today, on the fourth of uh, Tammuz. Did I say the fourth of Av before? I think I said the fourth of Av before. <laughs> I've been mixing up the months. Sivan Tammuz Av all week long. It's the fourth of Tammuz, <laughs> and that is when the yard site is uh, observed. So again, we remember Pinchas ben Shmuel. Here is Harry Rothenberg on JM in the AM. Korach challenges God's appointment of Moshe as the leader and of Aharon as the Kohen Galdo, the high priest. It doesn't end well for him. He gets swallowed alive by the earth. And his story is a cautionary one for us about the dangers of jealousy or argument. You could end up getting swallowed alive by them. But think about the object of his jealousy. He wanted to be the high priest, the Kohen Gadol. That's not typically something that leads to jealousy. Usually it's a car, a house, a balance sheet. So there was something to be said for his desire to be more holy, to be the high priest, to serve God in an even more exalted capacity. The mistake he made, of course, was that God had appointed someone else. So it's over. Just like nowadays, if your father's not a Kohen, you're not a Kohen. You can't buy it. You have to compete in the right spheres. And indeed, the sages tell us that there is one type of competition fueled by jealousy that's actually okay to indulge, may even be encouraged at times. Kinas sofrim, jealousy among sages. Tarba chachma, it increases wisdom. When sages work harder at their studies, uncovering more of the depths of the Torah, that leads to more wisdom. We all benefit from that. So here's a story about healthy competition. I know two people who struggle to make it on time for morning prayers. And so they made a bet with each other. They each took $10 bills and put them in their talus into filling bags. And every morning when they arrive in shul, if they're there on time, then there's no blood, nobody wins, doesn't matter who showed up first. But once the shul clock shows that it's a minute after the start time, if anybody walks in after that time, that person loses, has to put his head down in shame, walk across the shul, and put a dollar bill in front of the other person who's the winner that day. Since they started this a month or so ago, most days they've both been on time. And even the few days when one was late, or a couple of days, or a few days when the other one was late, it was late by 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half, which means that for the most part, they've been on time over a bet of a dollar. And they're not showing up on time by their own admission because they can't afford to lose a dollar. They can afford to lose a dollar. It's because they don't want to lose. They're harnessing that power of competition in a very healthy way. And it's leading to great results.
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Leif Tahar. L'chad Dodi. Isaac and Rubenstein out of Israel before that with Adon Allah. Moses and me with Eighth Day. Good Parsha song after what Harry Rothenberg said earlier. Dedicating this morning's program to the memory of Pinchas ben Shmuel, the father of Ralph Rosenbaum, whose 25th yard site is today on the 4th of Tammuz. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to JM and the AM, and thanks for joining us. Weekly update, just minutes away with Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll speak with him about the events of this week. A lot of interesting events this week. Hard to deny that. So that'll be coming up. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15. We'll wrap things up at 9 o'clock. Full day of great programming here at the Nachum Siegel Network, including the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show 
uh, hosted by Mark Zomick. That's going to be on starting at the 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on NSN. Uh, Simcha Liner, he's next. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting, by the way, 8-10. 8-10 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are in this Erev Shabbos parsha. It's Korach. It's Korach in the diaspora. 8-10 candle lighting time in New York. Again, make sure you know when things start where you are. Lots of synagogues begin early this time of year. Again, make sure you know when things start in your community and neighborhood. Simcha Liner next. This is JM in the AM. Sky. 
Simcha Liner with the Kalbach Mimkomcha. JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to those of you tuned in from around the world. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Someone on the app asked for uh, some of the diaspora tunes in memory of Yessel Rosenzweig. We did that earlier. Uh, in the 6 o'clock hour, we did a, a nice little tribute to his memory and uh, played um, uh, three of the diaspora selections that he either wrote or collaborated with. So we certainly do remember him and have already on this Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Our friends at Art School have the perfect halacha guide for the summer and all year round, written, written by Rabbi Avram Yagid and reviewed by Rabbi Yaakov Forsheimer. A guide to refua on Shabbos, practical halachas for common medical situations. Check it out. It's available now if you go to artscroll.com. Also, it's a last chance sale because right now it is the 23rd of June. On the 26th of the June, which is this coming weekend, the uh, this Monday actually, uh, the big sale at Artscroll will come to an end for the month of June. And remember, you can save, save, save when you use promo code radio because in addition to the big discount, you get free shipping on any amount when you use promo code radio. So go to artscroll.com, take advantage of all their June specials, over 3,000 titles, and you get a um, major discount plus free shipping when you use promo code radio. You know the rule. You know the rule. Always use promo code radio when you go to artscroll.com if you want to save lots of money. More coming up, JM in the AM. Here's Amra Madar.
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with Shua Kesson and that Nigun. Good Shabbos done by the Didim Choir before that. Bowie Kahlo is Amra Madar. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this 23rd of uh, June, day number four in the month of Tammuz. Today's show dedicated to the memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel, 25th yard side. It's the father of our chairman and uh, friend Ralph Rosenbaum. Pinchas Ben Shmuel, the 25th yard side being observed today on the 4th of Tammuz. Erev Shabbos Parshas Korach outside of Israel. Uh, Tzchukas inside Israel. Korach outside of Israel. Candle lighting at 8.10 on this Erev Shabbos. 8.10. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And in general, the 8.10 is for New York. So make sure you know when things start where you are. I want to remind you about our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you want to print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos, and educate yourself over the weekend, uh, go to jewishworldreview.com. Do just that. 
and enjoy. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. With us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Appreciate that very much. Um, boy, so much this week, and we will talk about, obviously, uh, the collective pain that the Jewish world has suffered through the uh, horrific terror attack. We'll get to all of that coming up. I need your immediate reaction to some of the things that have been making news over the last day or so. For instance, the um, ID- members of the IDF, Arab members of the IDF who are on video uh, cursing Israel and um, certainly uh, exhibiting behavior not worthy of an Israeli soldier. What's your reaction to that video going viral? Well, it is horrific to see it, to, to hear what they had to say, and to, um, you know, that, that the fact that so many others uh, saw it. They have been spent three already, or, or all four, I think, are in the brig. Both they did, and will... Uh, I think pay a heavy price for it and getting a, a uh, you know, being discharged after they serve their prison terms. Um, but, you know, sometimes these are kids and maybe it's a youthful prank. Maybe they didn't think about the consequences of it, but the damage that it did is very great. And I think, uh, you know, we, we will only know in the, in the future about what, what the real impact of it was. Yeah, and then, of course, the big question, uh, is this an isolated episode? Is it a few soldiers? Is it a small group? As you said, it could be a prank. Or is this something uh, that is really common? Is it a common thread among hundreds or even more soldiers? And there's something to fear. And then, of course, the next level, obviously, you know, one worries about uh, the actual enemy infiltrating the army. I'm assuming no answers to any of these until this investigation is complete and until the whole matter is investigated further, right? I doubt that the uh, we'll get to a conclusion on some of the things that you raised. These are all legitimate questions and ones that obviously uh, are on people's minds. Uh, the, the There was no evidence of this being a broader uh, conspiracy, but it will be thoroughly checked. The, uh, the questions uh, regarding the broader implications, I don't know that um, y- y- you've seen the statistics that more Arabs are signing up for service, for military service, and it's not the most popular thing for them to do in, in many of their home communities. And yet there's a, an, an increased number, it's been consistently rising so we have to look at this in that context as well right. and wait for whatever evidence comes forward. And we've gone out of our way, and I don't mean we, I mean we, the Jewish people, rightfully so, have gone out of our way to praise those Arabs that have joined the IDF and praise those, and there are many of them, you've described them to us over the years, who are loyal uh, to Israel and certainly to the army and to the mission and, and certainly uh, are, 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 have, have public safety. Uh, of Israelis, you know, at the uh, at their um, you know utmost on their minds and through their actions. So, uh, you know, generally speaking, we we applaud this group. And here, of course, you know, it just brings the the whole morale of that whole situation is just uh, uh, you know the, the air is let out of the balloon when you see a video like that. Hopefully, it is an isolated situation, 
and nothing more. Uh, well, the terror attack in Ali, in Ali, and this is one that, um, again, because of so many people knowing so many or related to so many that knew people or the parents of those who were killed in this attack, it, 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 it hit even closer to home for Jews around the world. No question about it. And, and we saw the reaction. And I know that you have a you have a certain uh, line of uh, presentation when it comes to how how you know Jews react when they take matters into their own hands after attacks like this. We're, we're now at, according to a stat that I saw that was attributed to the Shin Bed. You can tell me if this is right or wrong. 147 terror attacks this year. I'm talking about 2023. 147 terror attacks of this type shootings etc that have taken place already this year 375 shooting slash other types of attacks foiled this year by intelligence services and the idf um what can you tell us about this one this week in le well first of all it's so tragic and the idea that the 17 year old kids and adults who simply wanted to get something to eat stop at a, a gas station and this attack takes place. So far, there's still no evidence whether this was part of a broader conspiracy or a lone uh, shooter. I, I don't believe that uh, the lone wolf theory really is true, that there is so, always some influence, somebody, something that drives somebody to take this kind of horrific action. It doesn't mean that he was part of a gang, but it does mean that somebody uh, uh, put this extremist action is, is horrific action into his head the uh, and again i know this is being thoroughly checked and every association is being checked uh, in israel but the the concern i think and the lack and the breakdown of confidence and the you know the the series the fact that you've had one after another in the last few months you know, undermines people's confidence. And that's, to me, a great danger uh, in Israel, that people have to have confidence that, that the, the security who, who foiled the incidents that you mentioned right. uh, are, are each one of them is a miracle that you were able to prevent it. I know people make comments about it and assessments, but you have to think of what Israel faces and what how anybody can just steal a gun or do something and, and run out and kill people or shoot people. So the fact that they prevent as many as they do, but I don't think the statistics are that shocking compared to other years. And I think the, uh, if you look at it in the, the broader um, spread of, of uh, how terrorism, it's, they, they've done a remarkable job in addressing the terrorism and in dealing with it. But when Hamas is now investing so much with Iranian backing, and bottom line is it comes back to Iran again, that the the, uh, the ability to smuggle in weapons, remember the Jordanian official that was caught yep. smuggling 70 guns and other uh, equipment. And we know that, he, that Jordan is being used as a base to smuggle uh, large amounts of weapons. Israel catches them and most of it, but obviously stuff gets through. And sometimes you even have uh, guns that are stolen from army bases. Uh, but the fact is that, that they are able to, to uh, thwart 
so many of the attacks. And, uh, you know, the criticism is easy to make. And, and I know within the Israeli political realm, obviously everything becomes then political football. But it's, uh, we have to also recognize the, the, the number of incidents. And I've reported on this in the past because people don't know uh, the true numbers of, of incidents. And uh, um, the PA itself acknowledged 2,200 incidents last year that uh, originated in, in their areas. Right. So, you know, well, in the categories that the Shin Bet's talking about, in the, in in the stats that I saw, if in fact you know it is three seventy five foiled and one hundred forty seven quote unquote successful, we're talking about multiple times per day, multiple times per day that a, an attack is being planned uh, against the Israeli people by the enemy, and that's a that's a you know we talk about how difficult it is to learn, live in that neighborhood in that part of the world. That's a, that's something we have to consider that our brothers and sisters are going through on a daily basis. The threat is there, and it's real. I mean, these these are multiple attacks being planned every single day. Now, I know your your reaction, not a criticism. I get it that you know there's certain things you have to say and certain things you have to not say when it comes to residents of Judea and Samaria taking matters into their own hands. But you know, Malcolm, when when you get the impression that the enemy you know only understands one language, I don't know if you could blame people wholly for uh, or wholly blame people for uh, you know the actions of going and, and setting cars afire and infiltrating arab villages you know there's a level of frustration there and i'm not saying every single person living in that village is happy that the that the the enemy carried out this attack against innocent people i'm not going to suggest that but to a degree you have to understand the frustration among the uh, residents of that area well it's certainly it's not just amongst the residents amongst people uh, at large who, who are frustrated. But look at the statistics. Look at the incitement that continues, that pay to slay has been allowed to, to go on. Um, and when you look at the, the the studies that are being done, even just in the last uh, couple of days, uh, I think they said two-thirds of Palestinians said Israel won't have a 100th anniversary. And um, and, and I think 70 some percent said that they favor forming armed groups like the Lions Den group, which don't take orders from the PA, but operate independently. And of course, as I said, you know, we're seeing greater efforts to organize and that it, by Hamas and by others, by Islamic Jihad, which leads to more competition also with the PA. And then people try to out radicalize uh, one another. Uh, almost everyone says that PA doesn't have the right to arrest those who are in the armed groups to prevent them from attacking uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. I saw other numbers that are, are of, um, of such concern that uh, you, you see the, um, you know, there's dissatisfaction with their own government. 80% want Abbas uh, to leave and, and I think 17% of proof of it, of what he's doing. More than half said that they expect a, a third intifada, that they, that these things will escalate uh, in, in the future. But this is down from two-thirds about just a few months ago. So while the statistic isn't good, it, yeah. it doesn't necessarily indicate you know some sort of an overwhelming wave that's going to come across. Clearly, young people and others are being motivated, are being uh, incited to to carry this out, and and the 
support for a two-state solution is dropping all the time, meaning support for an Israeli state. Uh, and did you see Ismael Khania would get a third of the vote. Uh, uh, Abbas would get about a third of the vote and Khania would get two-thirds of the vote if they had a race against each other. That tells me a lot. He is, Khania is what? Hamas? Hezbollah? Who is he? Khania is the Hamas leader. Hamas. Hamas would get two-thirds and the quote-unquote moderate PA. In a presidential election. Right, and the moderate PA, and I use the word moderate in quotation marks. Very big quotation marks. (laughs) They would only get a third of the vote. Did you see his remarks in China? You see that, you know, when they keep saying the moderate, there's nothing moderate about him or his behavior and the PA. And then he always, you know, cries that he has to do it because he's being outflanked, et cetera, et cetera. No, if he would show real leadership, a lot of this would not happen. It would not be. Speaking of reaction, by the way, you know, there was a time when an attack like this in Italy took place and reaction from from Jewish leaders, religious Jewish leaders, non-Jewish leaders, governmental leaders would be immediate. I mean, you know, there was a time when U.S. senators, especially those from states that uh, have large Jewish populations, people who care about Israel, would be out there with statements and outrage and, you know, and how on earth, you know, can, can someone just go and do this to innocent people? There's no reaction. There's nothing. <laughs> on this side of the world, if not for, you know, if you're not following Israeli media or media that comes, you know, reports that come from Israel, one wouldn't even know about an attack like this. And that's so troubling to me that we're sort of, you know, become numb to all of this. And there's no uh, reaction on, on any level like we used to have. Am I, I'm not crazy when I say 20, 25 years ago, an attack like this would have generated a tremendous response from other parts of the world, right? It, it, it might have generated some response, never overwhelming. I don't think that there, there is a, a big change in this regard. The, uh, it is true. My more concern uh, uh, to the reaction is the fact that Jews become accustomed to it and don't react to it in the same way, let alone what the non-Jewish world's uh, reaction is. And I think, you know, to me, the fact that pay to slay is allowed to continue, and yet we're giving money now to UNRWA again, we're giving money, the PA gets some funding again, that it tells me that that we we are we break down all the barriers, all the disincentives. And by the way, it applies to money that we're giving to Iran now also. And we can all make all the excuses in the world. But the fact is that they are continuing in in to set the stage and the and the standard by the pay to slave program. Three hundred million or more from the Palestinian Authority's money goes to that. And and we're now watering down the punishment and the deductions and finding all sorts of excuses to get around it when the only way that worked is an absolute confrontation with it and and you know Abbas stops getting away with uh, every excuse under the sun it's it's uh, and the global reaction is unfortunately not surprising at all you know you, you just you hit on something that that really uh, is a great suggestion. We really do need a united Jew, non-Jew, political leader, religious leader. We need a united front against pay to slay. If we can make that a major issue and you know bring to you know different people in government and in you know in high-profile people, celebrities, etc., 
in this country. Uh, you know, th- this whole idea that pay to slay is going on, that might resonate with people. That might be a really good idea to have a united front to try to eliminate or at least have the U.S. pressure to eliminate this pay to slay custom that goes on there amongst the enemy. Well, we tried, and and every once in a while you get a congressional resolution, you get some action, you know, certainly the Taylor Force Law, et cetera, that, that speaks up to it. You have a, a periodically a European leader that will condemn it and talk about the the um, how horrific pay to slay is. But the bottom line is even the United States government is not taking sufficient action, even though it is official American right. policy and right. the law. In the United States. Yeah, we need a celebrity. We need a celebrity to, 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 to take this upon themselves. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at Siegel.com and the Siegel Network. And of course, and the beloved NSN app, Malcolm Honline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. By the way, did you see this um, revelation uh, through doc? I think it was through documents that were released that. Uh, 23 years ago, most of Jerusalem was, you know, ready to be given away by Barack and this deal that President Clinton brokered, including the Temple Mount and sovereignty over, you know, the, over the majority of Jerusalem, meaning by the PA, over the majority of Jerusalem. I thought all that was known at that time. Was there any new revelation that you learned from, from these discoveries? Well, I did know it because I was involved in trying to fight it, and we thwarted an action at the United Nations only because a European diplomat at a meeting with us uh, said, of course, you know that on Friday we are voting on a resolution that would have essentially put all of what they call the Holy Basin under UN Security Council control. And the American ambassador, Richard Holbrook, to whom I went with this information and was not aware of it, it had been negotiated at a very different level, called the president of the United States, who said he didn't know in my presence, and called the secretary of state. And they said, speak to the Israelis. We called the prime minister of Israel. He said he didn't know. We then went to the foreign minister of Israel. And he did know. And well, he, of course they, they knew. Bar- no, but, Bar- Barack but they was... approved. Now, yeah. this is not the Barack consent. This is separate. I'm saying to you that this is not the first time we faced this choice, this decisions. But they were prepared and had this guy not been a Yenta, which we, we knew for a long time, but, and tipped us off and assumed that we knew and kept saying to me, as you know, and of course, we made like we knew and got him to tell us the rest of the story. Uh, we were able to move uh, quickly, and Richard Holmbrook did heroic things. And but when we when he confronted the foreign minister of Israel, he reamed him. I mean, he screamed on the phone and said everything I said to him that all of Jewish history will judge you everything. And, everything. and by quarter to nine on Friday morning for the nine o'clock vote, it was pulled. But it wasn't because everybody knew. It's because you can work behind the scenes. In Barack's case, Barack was behind it. Ed Olmert supported these kinds of resolutions, which would have put the Holy Basin under international control, which means that we would have lost access to it. It means that every time we do an excavation, you would have been in violation. So people don't even understand how significant 
what that would have meant. Essentially, it would have divided Yushalayim and kept us away from uh, our sites. Look at look at the limitations that are on us at the at the Harabite now. Think of what that would have been. So this is unrelated timeline wise. Timeline wise, this is uh, unrelated to Barak ready to give up the majority of Jerusalem, sovereignty uh, of, of the PA over the Temple Mount, and he lucked out that Yasser Arafat rejected the deal. This, is this what you just described, is not, is not related, is a different episode than the one I just described. Yeah, a separate episode, and but there were many other attempts, and there are many, unfortunately, in our community uh, who were funding these efforts, who were um, encouraging it, and and I can tell you, I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I had because we didn't want to make it a public fight because then you would have lined up much more support and lined up others. And we killed it by by working and then and and day and night. But I, I always wanted to cite uh, because Holbrook has been criticized. People don't know the true story of, of what he did and how sometimes it was a diplomat. Uh, at the UN or a president, I know President Bush uh, second, um, when these issues came up was was very adamant about it, but he he didn't necessarily know what his own Secretary of State was agreeing to, and not just he, but other presidents as well, and only by calling it to their attention and and it's by shared that we found out sometimes what was going well, on. But sure, we're lucky that God's watching over us, frankly, because otherwise, uh, you know. Uh, you better believe it. <laughs> yeah, if it was up to, it, unfortunately, if it was up to the Jewish people, we would have given up Jerusalem now on multiple occasions. This epi- I'm glad they, this, they released this report. It reminds us about what Jewish leadership was ready to do. Thank God. Thank God that he's watching over us. I'll tell you. Uh, you know, he, he, thank God he's pulling the strings uh, uh, ultimately. Otherwise, I don't know where would we be. What does it mean that Hezbollah has a military presence inside Israel now? Well, they, they've had it, uh, but there's a competition going on now. And you see the efforts by Hamas to increase their presence, Palestinian Islamic Jihad to increase their presence. It's partially the, the weakness of the PA that encourages them uh, in this regard, I'm sure Iran is pushing them and providing the funds and, and weapons for them to do this. Uh, this is, uh, but you saw Hamas has has grown in Lebanon first, and now in in this area. So Hezbollah maybe wants to compete with them by coming into into Yudan Shomron, but it's obviously very disturbing and uh, not something that you, you should be dismissed. This is not, you know, tea clubs that are being organized. Yeah, when Hamas or Hezbollah organize, their goal ultimately is is uh, is a very dangerous one. Am I justified in being frustrated when UAE public officials meet with Iranian foreign ministers? Uh, I don't know. I, I seem to think that the UAE has demonstrated that the you know what what's what side of the of the issue they're on. Why on earth would they have uh, diplomatic discussions with Iran? Because self preservation is a very strong motivation. And each of the countries, Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, likewise, their foreign minister was in in Iran this week. As you know, the leaders of Hamas and Islam Jihad were in Iran because they thought they were going to be able to attend the, the you know big opening ceremony for the uh, Iranian embassy. 
But the fundamental divisions still remain. We should not think that this is, uh, you know, all of a sudden all the plates have shifted. The Sunni Shiite divide remains. The the, the um, concern about Iran's policies remain. They, they remain supporters of Houthis in Yemen against Saudi Arabia and UAE interests. Unfortunately, the other side, the UAE versus Saudi Arabia, UAE versus others, and the uh, that we don't have a united front in, in the same way. And, and a lot of what you're seeing is really a messaging to the United States because they're angry that the United States uh, presence seems to be diminished. And America had made clear that its emphasis would be on the South China, the, the sea and the, uh, you know, uh, tried to counter Chinese expansionism or threats. But the the symbolism of uh, at, when the ships came under attack, when UAE ships came under attack by Iran and there was no American presence to respond later on and a week later when they attacked it, the two American ships came and yeah. did uh, did free them. Uh, so, you know, we have circles within circles. This stuff is so complicated to understand. And you if have he, to know if to read not, the, it, it, the it, lines but to, uh, on some of this that it's not, uh, you know, what when when Saudi Arabia and Qatar and everybody else is doing. You see, Bahrain is always the last to come into any of this, but they're coming into too with uh, going to establish diplomatic relations because everybody's doing it. So it's sort of a punishment to the U.S. for not reacting quickly when uh, the UAE had was was given trouble by Iran. Well, that's why the UAE pulled out of the naval coalition, I right. believe, and now Iran is right. forming its own naval coalition, which I warned about a couple of weeks ago on on uh, with you and uh, said that they were um, that they were forming this thing in the northern Persian Gulf. But you see, other countries are joining, and that's of great concern. And the more that Iran gets accepted, the fact that the United States is uh, working on deals with them and trying to bypass Congress and not have these deals come before Congress, which is, I think, outrageous. Uh, the fact that we're, we're seeing the release of money from uh, that Iraq has billions of dollars to Iran, supposedly to pay for their energy, the energy that Iraq bought from Iran but never paid for, the money was kept in escrow there. But we're talking about a much larger amount that's really in Iraqi hands. It's probably seven billion, ten billion that's in South Korea, another seven billion that's in the uh, IMF, the International Monetary Fund. So none of the money would come from the United States. But in the meantime, Iran could again get a windfall of twenty billion dollars in cash, and we know that cash is the is the uh, you know the lifeblood for their terrorism and for the their ability to continue to support Hezbollah. And that's why some of the leaders were there because they know that a couple billion dollars were released and they went to get their handouts, their payoffs from uh, from Iran, which amounts to hundreds of millions of dollars in the case of of uh, in Gaza and and even more when it comes to what Hezbollah gets in, in Lebanon from them. I'll tell you, and, and Iran at the same time is having trouble just getting basic water supply to their citizens at this point. They are suffering greatly. The people don't have food, don't have water. They, they, the drought has consumed half the country, and I, I spoke about it several times, many times over the years, because people and our own media pay no attention to this reality and to dissent within the country and to the fact that executions are soaring there and the human rights violations, and yet we still sign a deal that all of a sudden human rights are not so important and that whatever money you give them, I don't care what people say, it is fungible. 
meaning that you, if you yeah. give them from one side, they'll that release this money somewhere else because none of this money is going to the people. The 40% of the economy is controlled by the Supreme Leader and the Iran Revolutionary Guard. So that they take off their slice off the top, leaves very little. The currency is at all-time lows. People are, there are shortages of food. You, you hear the stories, how people are moving into the big cities because the drought has destroyed life in, in the other areas. Yep. But more than that, somehow, I don't know how they survive when you have such inflation, when you have the economic conditions. But I guess they, they have gotten used to it and somehow manage. Any reaction now that the uh, the Pittsburgh um, anti-Semitic attack that killed 11 uh, is now past the uh, trial stage and is entering the penalty phase? Look, I think it's, you know, it's very important that the message get out. I think the fact that they the defense hardly mounted any evidence, they, they knew it was a uh, a shut case and, and acknowledged his hatred of Jews. The question is what what efforts are being made, what new laws, what new effort, uh, new um, restrictions will be put in place to try to prevent you know this from from continuing. Unfortunately, we see that the number of inc- incidents continues at a very high level, and that the and that violence is uh, you know is a component all too often. So. You know, the message is, is important to remind people about what happened, but I'm not sure that it's being absorbed in the way that we would hope. Well, death death penalty would, would uh, go a long way in sending a, an important message, but I don't think it's going to be, I don't think realistically it's going to happen, but who knows. Um, we'll see. Am I right or wrong as I read more and more about it that the case against Netanyahu is getting weaker and weaker and weaker? It does appear that uh, the case is uh, getting weaker. You know, the judge said that uh, they're not sure they could convict on the, on the, some of the grounds. The um, there is a lot of talk of of a plea bargain. All sorts of deals have been proposed that he would leave the position. He would uh, plead guilty to minor offenses. The go- think how much the government of Israel has spent on these prosecutions. And again, if there is true corruption, yeah, it should be pointed out. It should be addressed. If it was another person, they would want to see it addressed as well. But we see that many of the cases are just being dropped or or not pursued. And I think that the the conclusion that the, the that their stand is much weaker than it was when all of this was launched, I think, is valid. Finally, I, I know it's hard to do this in two minutes, but I have to ask you, in light of the uh, Biden-Modi meeting, uh, I mean, how, how would you now view the relationship between the U.S. and India, especially vis-a-vis the India-China relationship? I think the India-U.S. relationship is very strong. The uh, economic ties are very deep, by the way, with Israel growing all the time. The, um, you know, there's a pragmatism that's involved in in trying to lessen the tensions with China. They have borders with China, which are often heated, and you've had uh, military exchanges across it. So I think that they look for opportunities to uh, to lessen the tensions and to um, uh, this the current tendency with the BRICS arrangement, which is Brazil, also in India, China, Russia. Right. That you see how many countries have applied to become part of BRICS part of the Shanghai Cooperation Council. I mean, this should be alarming to see how the Road and Belt Initiative China is spreading and enables them to leverage their positions in, in greater and greater areas, let alone 
Um, I think you're going to see a visit of the Prime Minister of Israel to China. I think you're going to see uh, other steps that the Chinese did not satisfy Abbas's demands and things that he expected them to say or do when he was there. They, uh, they, they recognize the importance of Israel. You know, the high-tech exchanges and involvements are, are immense. Um, so the, the uh, you know, the, it's a very complex China. When do you, when do you... Every opportunity to expand their uh, insatiable appetite for energy. And now Xi wants to obviously make himself an international figure, a, uh, uh, a, a place of prominence, which he gained because of what he did between Saudi Arabia and and uh, and Iran. I, I just said one thing I didn't say, and you, you raised it several times, and that is the, the actions, and I understand the frustration of people. You can never take the law in your own hands. You cannot uh, look with equanimity when, uh, you know, I understand the emotions, I understand all of the things that they go about, but it is not the appropriate response. And I don't want it to be left uh, out there without uh, addressing it, that this is uh, it's very harmful to Israel and, and um, the law has to apply. It means a greater law enforcement and other steps to be taken, but not to take law into, into their own hands. When do you estimate this could happen, an Israeli um, a leadership uh, visit to China? I mean, we're talking about a, a few weeks from now. We're talking about a half a year from now. Like when do you, when do you think this could happen? I think it's very possible that uh, I'm sure uh, if Netanyahu gets an invitation, I don't know if Herzog, but I think if Netanyahu would get an invitation, he would accept it. Uh, China is an important trading partner with Israel, and Israel always has to show that it is not limited in its its options. And frankly, when you see some of the policies adopted by Europeans, you see some of the votes in the United Nations continuing. Uh, even though, by the way, we had a resolution to, for the first time, to limit the Commission of Inquiry, which came out with its first report, and I cited it. It's so anti-Semitic, it's so vicious, uh, and and has unlimited budget and timing. The fact that you already have a movement started and people are recognizing how biased the United Nations is, and how that that even they uh, could not remain silent and 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 had to come out against it. Uh. Of course. What else can you say? But of course, you know, right? <laughs> Why well, expect anything? But of course, the tendency, the the, the practice is the opposite. The United Nations continues right. to get down. We saw the the hearings in Geneva and the statements of the of the people who lead this, uh, who are themselves guilty of anti-Semitic comments. I mean, it, you talk about the the fox guarding the hen house. It, this is the the most outrageous, and and. I know, again, people dismiss what happens at the U.N. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. It influences people, and it justifies. It gives legitimacy to the most vicious groups because they say, what do you mean us? This is what the United Nations is saying. Yeah, of course. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. You too. Have a great Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is uh, vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JMNAM, Erev Shabbos Parshas Korach. Outside of Israel, we read Koach, Korach. Candle lighting at 810 on this Erev Shabbos in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. This morning's show dedicated to the memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel and Rabbi Yudin's words coming up in a moment. Dedicated to the memory of Pinchas Ben Shmuel. That's the 25th yard site today. 
of the father of our chairman and dear friend Ralph Rosenbaum, Pinchas Ben Shmuel, and um, uh, our Divrei Torah and our program dedicated to his memory this morning. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Korach. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Korach contains... Nine mitzvos, five positive, and four restrictions. Pasha's Korach, at first glance, is another one of those ouch parshios, a parsha that clearly we need to read each and every year. We all know the story. We know what happens to Korach. Korach leads a rebellion against his first cousin, Moshe. And our rabbis tell us that clearly what started the entire rebellion was the fact that Korach, who was wealthy and bright and had a most honorable position, namely, he was among the Nose Ha'oron, among those who carried the Aron, the Ark, when it traveled, and our rabbis tell us that miraculously the Oron was no say as no sov. It might have looked that they were carrying the ark, but the ark really carried them. He had the honor of being among those who carried, quote, the Oron. And unfortunately, that was not enough. He was jealous of the fact that a younger cousin became the head of the Nasi of B'nai Kahas and therefore leads a rebellion against Korach. His primary rebellion is couched with the idea of Kikola Eda Kulam Kedoshim, the entire nation was there at Sinai. The entire nation heard and experienced Nevoah. And therefore, Umadua, why should you, meaning you and your brother Aaron, why should you be the ones to, quote, Madua Tisnasu al Why should you be the ones for the leadership over the Jewish people. Clearly, he was looking for this himself. And you can see from the response of Moshe to Korach, he says very powerfully that, watch, Moshe says, do you not realize the importance of what you have, namely that you are given the opportunity to serve the nation of Israel. La'amod, la'avod es mishkan Hashem, v'la'amod l'fneyo eido l'shor son. You have the privilege of serving the people as a levy. If Korach 
would only have realized what he had instead of focusing what he didn't have he would have remained a very content and rich man let's remember we read this every year to remind us that too often there's always a little bit of Korach or unfortunately a lot of Korach in too many of us and instead of being grateful and thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for what we do have we look at the next one and think that by having what they have that would give us our happiness now the truth of the matter is let's think for a moment how can the Torah in the 10th commandment you're not to be quote covet or jealous of somebody else how can that be they have a nicer house they have nicer uh, a greater position more prominence than me how can I not be jealous of them and the answer to that is it all goes back to the first commandment the first commandment is anochi and to realize that what I do have this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given me this is what I need to fulfill my tafkid, my purpose in this world my neighbor who has more than me but appears to be on the surface to be more than me this is what he needs to fulfill his tafkid in this world so ostensibly this is the obvious message that comes across from the beginning of the parsha. Today happens to be, or excuse me, yesterday happened to be the yard site of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Sechet Tzadik Levracha, and I would therefore like to share with you a beautiful thought of the Rebbe on the beginning of this parsha that we could appreciate what he stood for and what his many dedicated, devoted Hasidim are applying his beautiful teaching in their Avodas HaKodesh. The opening Rashi on the first Pasuk, Vayikach Korach, so Rashi says, Parsha Zu, this chapter, Yofen Nidreshes is dealt and explained carefully and beautifully in the Medrash of Rabbi Tanchuma. Now this is a very strange teaching of Rashi because after all there are teachings of the Medrash Tanchuma on every parsha in the Torah. So why does Rashi bring this to our attention specifically here? The parsha Zu, this one of Korach is Yofanidreshes is explained well at this particular time. So, the Sifsei Chachamim explains that Rashi himself tells us in Bereshis, chapter 3, Pesach 5, I think, I'm sorry, Pesach Ches, that Ani Lobosi Lefaresh, I've come, Rashi teaches, to teach Pshuto Shamikra. Normally, he's giving us the literal understanding of the text and not the Medrash. But here he's telling us that we are to look at the Medrash. Now, basically, 
What he's telling us is that we have to look beneath the surface as to what we are provided with the pshat. Now, the ostensibly, Korach is saying that he wants to be the Kohen Godot. Now, the Arizal, in his teaching of Likute Torah, on the Pasuk in Yecheskel, Perik Memdale, Pasuk Tes Vav, which happens to be the opening Pasuk of the Aftorah for Parshas Emor, Vakoanim Vahalviim, Beneit Sadok, okay, the Arizal teaches that in the future, the Osit Lavo, when Moshiach comes, the Leviim are going to be upgraded to that of Kohanim. So the Posok, Kohanim Halviim, the Leviim will be Kohanim at the time of Moshiach. What was Korach's mistake, explains the Rebbe, is that Korach wanted it now. Namely, on the surface, it's all negative, what Korach did. The kino that he had was his downfall. The envy that he had was his downfall. However, we are to recognize that there's something deeper going on here, Bidera and beneath the surface, Korach is looking for more spirituality, not only to be a Levi, but to be a Kohen. Whoa! And this was his true desire. The Rebbe taught that from here, it's very important to recognize that when you meet a Jew, don't judge him by the surface. When you look on his surface, it appears from his dress, from his behavior, from the way he conducts himself, that they are very far from the Abishtar. However, when you look beneath and beyond the surface, ah, when you want to look at his Pneumius, then it's Yofenidreshes, the Pneumius, the Neshama, the real Jew wants beautiful, meaning he wants to be closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now this was the mainstay of the Rebbe Zatzal's Torah. His Torah was that the Chitzonios of the Jew often is not in the right place. But at his core, at his Pinimius, there is a great deal of Yofa Nidreshes, of his wanting the truth. And it's interesting that the 250 men that accompany uh, Korach and accept the challenge of the Ketores knowing that there is a chance that they would die, but the opportunity to literally get close to Hashem and as the Torah itself uh, describes that these persons died, right? Some The sin was with their nefesh. They wanted to be closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How do we understand that in the time 
of Bayez Sheni, right, the orphan and two orphan, the Kohanim Gidolim who purchased the office and the honor would have to go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim on Yom Kippur with a rope tied around their um, uh, leg, knowing full well that there's a good chance that they would not come out. But the opportunity to serve and to literally be a part of the Avulas Yom HaKippurim, of getting close to Kodesh Baruch Hu, that was sufficient for them to risk their lives. Similarly, over here, with the 250 men who were Adas Korah. The Torah is telling us in this week's Parsha something so special. Namely, there is a very important concept of Emunas Chachomim. To believe that in each and every generation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives Klal Yisrael leaders who are going to guide, leaders who through their chachma, leaders who through their actions, through their knowledge of Torah, in the Torah Nigla, in the Torah Nistar, these individuals are able in each generation to point the direction as to how that generation is to go. And therefore, how privileged we were to have someone of the exceptional quality of the late Lubavitcher Rebbe who ignited this fire within each and every one of us to appreciate, to look at each Jew, not only from the outer perspective, but to look at each and every Jew to realize the incredible potential that they have. The parsha teaches us that regarding Moshe, by Amidu Hashem, for Moshe Avdo, the Torah teaches us, that there is this idea that on the day that Rabbi Akiva died, Rabbi was born. Lo Almon Yisrael. The Jewish people are never left without great leaders, without great teachers. That is the lesson that we must take away from Pasha's Korah and Halavai. We should all be Zohar to learn this beautiful trash coming from the Rebbe Zechrona Lavracha to appreciate each and every Jew, to do what each and every one of us can do to bring out the beautiful Panemios of every Jew. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. and the A.M. with Shlimey Kaufman and Aishas Chayel, Erev Shabbos Parshas, Korach, Candlelight, at least outside of Israel. In Israel, it's Chukas. <laughs> uh, candlelighting time of this Erev Shabbos, 8-10 here in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. A lot of synagogues begin early. Um, no matter where you might be, a lot of synagogues begin early this time of year, so make sure, again, that you know when things start where you are. Today's show dedicated to the memory of Pinchas ben Shmuel, the father of Ralph Rosenbaum, uh, whose 25th yard site is today, the uh, fourth day of Tammuz. So today we uh, utilize our broadcast and the Torah words of our broadcast to uh, remember Pinchas ben Shmuel on his yard site. More coming up Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, J.M. the A.M. Mark Zamek uh, presents the uh, Erev Shabbos show. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's going to be at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning right here on the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. That's Salachad Odi done by Gershon Veroba, that great classic. Shlomi Kaufman in there with Aisha Schail. Regesh, of course, with that Shalom Aleichem. You're listening to a Friday morning broadcast here at J.M. in the A.M. The um, the uh, weekend programming that we provide is pretty amazing, including uh, Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's going to be at 10 o'clock this morning, our final hour, an hour before Shabbos. Uh, later today, also brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's weekly tomorrow night with Saturday Night Siegel, 7 a.m. Sunday morning. It's Matas with JM Sunday live for yet another week live uh, between 7 and 9 a.m. on Sunday morning right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. So tune in all weekend long, of course, and Monday we're back right here starting at 6 a.m. as we get closer and closer to uh, Shabbat Sarbatamos in the three weeks format, the summer, etc., etc. Even if you're in summer camp, day camp, sleepaway camp, make sure to wake up to us. So easy to do right now to tune in from around the world. And by the way, Daniela and Efrat, thank you for that information. Pretty amazing that the uh, people in Efrat did what they could for our brothers and sisters in LE on Erev Shabbos. Uh, we got that off of the NSN app. Uh, time to take a Shabbos with Journeys at JM then. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Time to say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign
time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and an incredible week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty over the weekend, as we said. Mark Zami coming up at the Arab Shabbos show at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, Monday morning, we're back. We're starting at 6 a.m., and I certainly hope you'll be with us. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a great weekend. Till next time, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.